You're listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. For more information, please visit our website at everynationgta.org. Just a couple days ago, uh, we were in Toronto uh, visiting a church where we're going to be having a pop-up service at the end of November. And my wife had a doctor's appointment, and so uh, I got a chance to just walk from where the doctor's appointment was uh, over to the church. It was probably about a 45-50 minute walk. And uh, because I have a tendency to get lost, um, I decided that I would use my Google Maps and I'd put in the walking function and I would begin to walk. Well, little did I know that it would take me through a very unusual way, not just on the city sidewalks and streets, but through paths and down the side of a cemetery and uh, underneath uh, one of the um, overpasses for the uh, one of the subway stops, the Old Mill subway stop there in Etobicoke. And I just kept feeling like I'm lost. I don't know where I'm going, but I kept looking down at my phone and I thought, you know what? I just need to keep looking down and trust that somehow I'm going to come out at the other end uh, at this church. And I feel like the Lord was speaking to me through that, uh, through that experience. If I put in the right destination point, and I have a good signal uh, to the satellite, and I just trust that it'll take me to where I want to go, that I will get to my destination. You know, during this very difficult season that we continue to be in, I think there's a lot of pressures on our lives. And I think, I think it's a word from God to us that if we will press in and keep connected to him, if our signal is strong, if, if we've put in the right destination, then God's going to see us through uh, to where he, he has us at the other uh, end of this. We're in a series called Pursuing Happiness, where we're looking at the uh, Beatitudes or the blessedness. or the, It's part of the Sermon on the Mount that uh, Jesus uh, spoke. And this is our fourth our fourth week. And he's unpacking the counterintuitive, upside-down values of his kingdom as contrast uh, to the world that we may see around us. And so we started where we looked at, he said that we're blessed or we're happy if we're poor in spirit. That is actually a good thing when we come to the end of ourselves and realize that we need something more uh more than what we can muster up ourselves. And we, we feel that spiritual poverty. It's a great place to be because then we'll reach out to God. And then we went into uh, blessed are those who mourn. And we, when we see the old way, uh, the, our old ways, and the way we've lived, and, and there should be a brokenness. There should be something like, oh man, why, why, why did I live that way? I can remember at UBC when, uh, second year university, when I really gave my heart fully to the Lord. I was 19 years old. And after that time, because during my teenage years, I just doing my own thing. I didn't really care about God or what he might have for my life. And I remember after I made that commitment, to the Lord as baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. I remember I went into a time of mourning and I thought, you know, I'm 19 years old and I've I've wasted so much of my life. And, uh, you know, and my teenage years were so wasted. I could have been doing something more in line with God's purposes. But it was was an actual mourning. Now I realize that, you know, now being 59, that God, it's okay. God was going to give me uh, some more chances along the ways. Um, 
And then we learned about blessed are the meek. And meekness isn't weakness, but meekness is really power under control, under restraint. And Jesus modeled that uh, so well for us. And so as these kingdom values begin to infiltrate our life, the next logical one or the next one in, in, uh, um, that we're looking at today is blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they will be satisfied. It's in Matthew 5, verse 6. So that's our text for today. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Jesus is basically laying out a vision that our desires, the very things that we desire, can actually be changed from the inside out. It's interesting, if we were to reverse this um, uh, this passage, it would be not blessed are those who hunger and thirst after the wrong things, for they'll never be satisfied. And I think one of the blessings of the ongoing pandemic is it's caused, at least in my life, a, a, a degree of dissatisfaction, a degree of what's life really about. And it actually gives us an opportunity to re-examine what we're going after. What are the desires of our heart anyhow? Um, so the question today is this. How did our desires get so distorted? Or why is it so easy to desire the wrong things? Uh, the great early church leader, Augustine, was analyzing this in his own life. And he realized that the first time he really understood about his distorted desires, if you want to call it that, was when he went into an orchard that didn't belong to him and he stole a pear. And he realized I don't even like pears. Why did I do that? And already he was analyzing, like, what's going on on the inside? So we're going to look at this, this issue of spiritual hunger and this issue of our disordered desires and how God wants us to bring us to hungering and thirsting for righteousness through the grid of the Bible that we often uh, talk about around here at Every Nation Church. And it's, it's the summary of the four movements of the four chapters of the arc of the entire story of God or the story of, laid out in the Bible. And it's this. It starts with creation. And then we move to the fall. And then redemption. That's what Jesus did. And then ultimately restoration or, conser, uh, or consummation. So let's start first about desires created. We, you and I were made by God with a good origin. In fact, every person out there in origin, God has made every person with that. It doesn't matter if they know Jesus yet. They might not have the image of Christ in them, but they do have the image of God in them because every person does. And so we're going to look at uh, these four, um, starting with the first one, desires uh, created. In the beginning, our desires were actually uh, pure. Uh, when we looked, when we looked to God, we were completely satisfied. Um, over this year, uh, we've had three, at least three new babies in our church. And one of the things about a, a baby is they come out usually crying. Um, I think maybe always crying. And 
what do they want? They want to be seen and they want to be soothed. And if you're a, a new mother or a father, that's one of the first things that you have to learn to do. Not just feed them and change the, the diaper, but they need to be, to be soothed. These, these types of um, desires are the way that God, God made us. In fact, psychologists say this, um, that from birth to death, we have a basic human need to be seen, to be soothed, to be safe, and to be secure. So it's not just the little baby that needs all of those things, but, it, but it's a 59-year-old man still needs these things. I still need to know that I'm seen, that I'm soothed, that I'm safe, that I'm uh, secure. Uh, my wife and I have been listening to a lot of uh, leadership podcasts, and one of the things we realize is that when a Christian author comes out with a new book, they tend to make the Christian podcast circuit. And so no matter what podcast you listen to, it's kind of the same person. But one of the ones that we've been hearing from and we've been so impressed with uh, was Christian uh, psychiatrist Dr. Kirk Thompson. And uh, his books are things like uh, what are some of his books? The Atomy, Anatomy of the Soul, or The Soul of Shame, or his newest book, The Soul of Desire. And I just love the way he coined this phrase. He said this, every baby comes into the world looking for someone looking for her. Let me say that again. Every baby comes into the world looking for someone looking for her. You know, that's how God was in the beginning. Even after Adam and Eve sinned, what is the first thing that God did? Even though that he had, uh, the man and woman had rebelled against him. He went out and he said, Adam, where are you? Eve, where are you? God came looking for them. The heart of God had not changed. So in the beginning, these desires uh, were natural and they are natural and they're God given. But then how do our desires become twisted or what happened in the fall that we would move from wanting to hunger for God and his provision in our life uh, to other things. How does this happen? In short, we get tempted to fulfill our legitimate God-given desires in illegitimate ways. Again, going back to what uh, Dr. Kirk Thompson was talking about, he said, it's as if in the beginning uh, the devil started to talk to Eve, and she began to get anxious as she heard another voice beside the voice of God. And as a result, she began to look at the forbidden tree in a different light. And all of a sudden, she saw it as something more than just a tree uh, with fruit on it. It became like a new savior. Now, instead of being uh, uh, God being the one to see her and soothe her, make her feel safe and secure, the fruit was going to do it. And so, I've got an apple here representing the uh, forbidden fruit uh, that God said don't touch from. Now, for those of you who know your Bible, it never says it was an apple, but it may have been an apple. And so for illustration purposes, I went today and bought a beautiful on Southern Ontario Macintosh apple that was, by the way, side note, rabbit trail. Macintosh apples were developed in Prince Edward County of Southern Ontario. And so there's a little tidbit. But Let's get back to the sermon. Um, but here's how evil plays on our hearts. It pressures us to fulfill our God-given desire in, an, in a non-God-given way. It takes the things that God gives us. And instead of it having its proper place in our lives, 
something new happens to it. It changes somehow. Somehow this is going to be more than, uh, more than what it was made to be. Let's look at what it says in Genesis 3, verse 6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. So don't blame the woman. Both Adam and Eve were right there sinning, okay? So um, you will see, uh, you'll see the term world in scripture uh, often. The world or this world refers to the fallen uh, a way that mankind, mankind has tried to fill the void of the human, human heart. And so let's look at the way that uh, John, one of the disciples of Jesus, is, Jesus describes it. He said this in 1 John 2, he said, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the father, but is from the world. The kingdom that is not Christ's kingdom, the kingdom that is not God. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Some translations uh, translate the word desire, lust, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. And the reason why you have these different words is we don't actually have um, a word in English that really um, uh, matches it. it. The Greek word is epi. Mathia, which it really means epi, uh, it's like over desire. It's something that's, it's a desire out of place or too much desire for something. It's, it's, it's an over desire. And that's what was, that was what was going on with Adam and Eve. And you think, well, you know, an apple, it's pleasing to the sight and tastes wonderful, but that's kind of silly that it, you know, they were looking to it perhaps to, you know, to satisfy a greater desire. So you think it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Paul talks about worshiping the creation rather than creator. And from God's perspective, the apples that we go after and desire are just as foolish. What are some of the things that we begin to desire or over-desire? How about making lots of money? How about owning a house and having a new car, having a hot girlfriend or wife, having, having you know, an amazing body, wearing designer clothes, being respected by others, being smart or whatever. And again, each of these things that I named in themselves aren't evil. But when we begin to think that somehow if I have that, then somehow I'll be satisfied. Well, our desires have been distorted. Think, think in your life. Think right now when you're maybe just having a little bit of a melancholic day. Um, what do you think is going to change that? Going shopping? Um, shopping's not a bad thing unless you have a shopping addiction where now it's like I have to do that in order to to get a pick-me-up, or it can be the simplest thing. But you have to reflect on that in your own life. Or is it something you say, God, this is how I'm feeling today, but I want you to fill my soul again. I want you to fill me up once again. I'm feeling down. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling insecure. Lord, you promised by your spirit that you would come and you would fill me up. 
Or maybe it's just going and pursuing the means of grace that God has given by being around Christian community. That's one of the ways that God fills up. He doesn't always do it directly through his spirit. Sometimes he does it through creation, through other people. And there are other avenues into our hearts and lives. Let's move on to desires redeemed. You know, most people, most secular people think that when they hear that a friend has become a Christian, most secular people think that their friend is making a commitment to become like a better person or more moral. But Christianity is so much more than that. A Canadian Christian philosopher uh, and theologian, James K.A. Smith, I love this. He says, God doesn't just want to change what you do. He, want to change, he wants to change what you want to do. He doesn't just want to change what you do, behavior modification. He wants to change the desires so that we're actually hungering and thirsting after uh, something else. Here's a longer quote from, oh, another side note. Um, James Smith did his undergraduate at the University of Waterloo and then did um, his master's and doctoral work in the United States. So just a little plug for um, Waterloo in there. Um, the Apostle Paul, uh, oh yeah, here's the quote, and I got off. Here's the quote from Dr. Smith. So discipleship is more a matter of hungering and thirsting than of knowing and believing. Jesus' command to follow him is a command to align our loves and longings with his, to what God wants, to desire what God desires, to hunger and thirst after God and, and crave a world where he is all in all, a vision encapsulated by shorthand, the kingdom of God. Wow. I've never really heard discipleship put in that way, but it's beautiful. It's just not a ma matter of hungering and thirsting for knowing and believing, but rather to line our loves to what God wants. Ah, oh, I so much want to be more in that place. How about you? The Apostle Paul described in a personal way his own problem with distorted desires in the seventh chapter of Romans. Now, it's quite a famous passage, and he, it's very long. And so when he goes, you know, the things that I do, don't do, I, I want to do, I don't do. So I only have an excerpt here. It's quite, it's quite long. But just, just this little piece as he's unpacking his own life. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do what I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Interesting about the great apostle, he didn't say, this is how I used to be. It's an ongoing struggle, even for the great apostle, even, even for this incredible man of God who was filled with the Holy Spirit. God used him mightily in the, in the early church. Just because you're growing doesn't mean that this warfare of warfare of desires within our hearts stops. It, it keeps going. But, uh, but Paul said he offers us a solution, though. He goes on in the seventh chapter of Romans where he said, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? 
Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So there is hope as we look to what Jesus has done. So then that's the question. What did Christ do for us to redeem our desires? What did he do? There's different accounts uh, for the death of Jesus and, and the time that he spent on the cross by the different gospel writers. But if you look into the gospel of John, it's amazing because in the 19th chapter of John, you see the very last words of Jesus from the cross. And John was the only one who was there. He was the only disciple who stayed at the cross. The other ones all fled. Um, he was there. And so, do you know, this is almost the, one of the last words that Jesus said from the cross, and it's this. I thirst. I thirst. Think about it. The one who perfectly hungered and thirsted after righteousness was not satisfied. And then, right after that, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Wow. Jesus, the one who lived the perfect life, the one who always had desires that pleased God, when he was hanging on the cross, it wasn't just the physical thirst. But he should have been satisfied by God for living a life of perfectly hungering and thirsting after righteousness. But it said that he took on our sin. He took on our unrighteousness. And because of that, he didn't get what he deserved. He actually got what we deserved. And because he got what we deserved, it made way for us to get what we didn't deserve and what he did for us. Have you ever thought of Christ work on the cross in the area of desire? I hadn't until I really meditated on this uh, this week. So transformation comes when we're impacted on the inside of what Christ has gone done for us. You know, when we think of the first beatitude, happy are the poor, Jesus became poor. It said that he became poor so that through his poverty, we might become rich. It said that when it talks about mourning, it said that Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Talk about being meek, power under control. The book of Isaiah prophesies about Jesus. It says he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led away as a lamb to the slaughter. What a picture of meekness. At any time, Jesus, and he even said it in the garden, he could call down the legions of heaven and be rescued. Even at the cross, he could have been rescued if he asked God to, but he stayed there for you and for me 
And the way that our desires get transformed is not just by a head knowledge, just an idea. It's when we're impacted by this message in the deepest part of us. When we see what he has done, when we see his hungering and thirsting and not getting what he deserved and then saying, because I want you to get what you didn't deserve. Wow. And finally, desires redeemed. One day our fight with sin and distorted desires will come to an end. One day our desire will only be for more of him. You know, we talk about a new heaven and a new earth. And it's going to be so wonderful, all the things that that might entail. Uh, We're going to see our loved ones who've gone on before us. Won't that be great to see them again? What about our broken down bodies? Won't it be great to have one that doesn't break down anymore? Wouldn't it be great to do whatever our endeavor is and actually come out right without frustration? Wouldn't it be great to have relationships that you don't have regret about what you said or what you did? Heaven is going to be wonderful, the new heaven and the new earth. But I want to draw your attention to the greatest thing about heaven. It's not the food. It's not even seeing our loved ones. It's seeing the Lord in all his beauty and in all his fullness. The book of Revelation actually gives us a picture of heaven where we will be so enraptured with his beauty that, you know, the main thing we're, we're going to want to do? <laughs> Worship. Worship. Our desire is going to be fully for him. So let me leave you with a couple closing thoughts. First of all, one day our desires will be pure and only for what is good and pleasing to the Lord. And the longing of our desires will be met with complete satisfaction. Secondly, until then, we seek the Lord for an increasing revelation of who he is in all his splendor and glory. And finally, to remember that the goal of mere religion is to see God as useful, but the goal of authentic Christianity is to see God as beautiful. Now, this isn't easy. And in my life, I'm a pastor, but I identify with the Apostle Paul. It's an ongoing journey. But as we look to God, he is going to be faithful. As we seek him, as we continue to press towards him, he is the one who will transform our hearts so that it can be said of us that we're happy, that we're blessed, because we hunger and seek after righteousness And on an ongoing basis, we are becoming more and more satisfied. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. Thanks for joining us. For more information, 
visit our website at everynationgta.org. 